Yo, what's up, people? This is the Solar Kid, and back with another "The Other Side of the Sun" podcast. Podcast. I was gonna say podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I was like, yo, podcasting time. You're listening to a Spudcaster podcast from Baobalb.org. Yo, lovely Sutra. Or should I say? Yes. Either is fine. Either is fine. Yeah. So tell me, yeah. is, your, is your is your actual is your name your 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 birth name Sutra? No, my birth name is Sylvia. Uh, Sutra is my is one of my names. It's, but it's also my pseudonym. Hmm? Nom de plume. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means. But yeah, sounds about right. Um, so Sutra is is the name people have been calling me for the last eight years, I guess. It's what I'm known as more for my yeah. art. And the Sylvia side of things is like the doctoring, the really serious, you know. For those who don't know, um, Sutra or Sylvia is a doctor and intellectual artist, a writer, founder of pole therapy, and um, is basically into art, science, and well-being. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well okay. done, well done. We must have met about eight years ago, six years ago. Yeah, but I think a bit more than that, maybe like 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I met you through my sister. Yeah, because you guys were still studying then. I mean, like, obviously, you've been studying for a long time. But she, yeah. was, doing, she was doing a law degree. And I met yes. these yeah. uh, awesome sisters at a studio that I was working at. And I was like, damn. They study in law and, uh, you know, medicine, and they're trying to be artists as well. Like, jeez, what a dynamic deal. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was my first ever studio session as well. What? At your old studio. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's really funny, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys are dope, though, man. Like, I mean, still, you know what I mean? Still always been dope. Yeah, it's like, come a long yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, and now you're like a practicing uh, a medical practitioner. Your sister's like the, I think she just got a promotion. I think I saw on LinkedIn or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a solicitor. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. It's crazy, Powerful. right? Crazy. Powerful black <laughs> women, you know what I'm saying? Jeez. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So did yeah. you... Yeah. Did you grow up in Ghana? I know you're in Ghana right now, which looks amazing. Mm, I am in Ghana. I am here and very happy and blessed to be here. Um, I'm Ghanaian. We moved here when I was five. Um, so most of my childhood and upbringing was here. And then, and then we moved back to the UK when I was 15. Or I went back to the UK when I was 15. Okay. So Yeah. So, I mean, this is, I'd say this is home for me. Um and yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. I'm only here for a little bit, um, but yeah, making the most of it. I love Ghanaians. Like uh, I don't know, they are my favorite, my favorite people in the world. <laughs> Some of my favorite people. Yeah, is. we are the best. We are the best people. Good peeps, man. I definitely have to go out there sometime. Yeah, know? yeah, for sure. For sure. The Gold Coast and that. I heard it's, it's a hot spot of of uh, um of late, like. Jess was telling me whenever you go back in December, there's all these celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah. All these people coming back to Africa, you know, to the motherland to find their roots and, you know, 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Ghana is the place. Ghana is the place for sure. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Oh man. So like, um, so obviously you're a musician. You're saying I've, I mean, I've done some work with you and stuff. But like, when do you get time to do art? When you like studying medicine and like being a doctor and stuff. That's, isn't that like full time? Uh yeah. It's been it's been a it's been a whole lot. Um, I've been a doctor now for four years, and um, I started taking music seriously through medical school actually um started gigging um taught myself guitar um i've always been a writer i've always enjoyed song um but i'd never really kind of taken it super seriously until i was in med school and i think that's because med school kind of pushed me to need an outlet you know as i was learning as i was growing and you know, experiencing the human form and all these vulnerabilities as you do with medicine. So music became an outlet for me to process, you know, wow. all those emotions. And that's how it, it started. And the name Sutra is actually um, in homage to my journey in medicine and in music, you know, as a healer, not just in the physical medical side of things, but the the soul, the spiritual side of things that music offers as a as a healing tool. So, sutra means healer. Um, it also means, you know, in other cultures, it means um, wisdom. It means art. It means morals. So it has a whole diverse range. But for me, sutra is like one who sutras, one who stitches a wound. You know, when you have a cut and you get stitches, those are sutras. Uh-huh. So a sutra is one who sutras, who stitches, who heals. So you are musical, you're a healer, and music you heal through music basically as well as as physically. Basically, yeah. No, nah, like yeah, basically. Like that. In ancient in ancient in um, Eastern philosophy you have the, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, which are like um, ancient texts on yogic science, you know what I mean? Which is basically mm. the science of, of your inner engineering, the the, the practices and the, the, the methods to basically become whole and complete and like to, you know what I mean, understand yourself and to know your body, you know what I mean? Obviously you have mm. the positions, but then there's texts and there's, you know, ancient like um, messages and stuff that you can read and right. get to understand who you are. And I mean, these things were written like thousands. I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So, same. Um, I like the combination of science and art. Like it's not generally something that like, you know, I mean, especially when I was growing up, it was like, you become a doctor, you're not going to become a musician. Hell no. Like you need to go and be a doctor kind of thing. There's no <laughs> way you can do both. But I like the fact that you've managed to like combine them both, you know? It's really yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for a time, isn't it? Like there, it's, it's what I am, these two facets and some, one will be at the forefront more than the other for a season. So, you know, and that's why with music or with film or with making art, I, you know, you might look back on my journey and not be able to pinpoint, oh, she's been consistently out there, mm. you know, from the, had her name out on tour, all of that. No, there's been a season where medicine had to be, my practice and my understanding had to take the forefront. And mm. um, so, yeah, yeah. It's also knowing which seasons I'm in no, and honoring that. Yeah, no, that makes yeah. sense. So like yeah. what, um, what season are you in right now? I'm in a season of transition, actually. I um, just finished a master's degree um, whilst I've been working still. And I'm just figuring out what I want to do um, 
you know, it's early days. There's probably not so much I can say on that, but another I degree. feel like After I did another degree. I just finished another degree. What? Yeah, I just did a master's. It was in uh, science communication at Imperial. So it was essentially yeah. an arts degree, an arts degree from a science perspective. So I was like learning filmmaking, okay. um, journalism, government policies, all aspects of communicating. And music is a, is a medium for that as well. So yeah, it, was, it really, really suited me and I really enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, it's nice. I'm sure you must have breezed through it because when you enjoy doing something, it, it makes sense, you know. I mean, it made sense, but it was very challenging, especially with the pandemic and, you know, having to switch to virtual halfway. But, um, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing. It was really great. How has really um, that been? Like, uh, how has lockdown affected you? And uh, like, how's it been, basically? Uh, has it affected me on, like, a what level? Professional doctoring level or? Um, just basically, how's your lockdown been? Like, I mean, has it, if it, if it has affected you on a personal level or whatever, let me know. Or like, has it been, you know, cool? Has it been, loads of people say 2020 has mm. been their worst year. Like, how's it been for you? Mm. I think 2020 has been a really weird year for, for everyone. Um, there's been lots of surprises in everyone's lives. Um, for me, lockdown was, yeah, it was a challenge. Um, being a doctor, I was working through the pandemic. I was frontline. So you've got all the all the uh, stuff you probably saw in the news about the lack of protective gear. Um, there's also the things that you see and in England, you know, the traumas that come with that. This is in England, yeah. yeah. Um, it really felt like we were at the front line of a, of a war against an unseen enemy. And that's not even dramatizing it. Um, because it was this thing that we had no evidence on how, you know, effectively we could fight it. And it was just li literally learning day by day. So it, it was challenging, but I always say with every challenge comes growth. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely grown in the last year, especially having to go through lockdown, being on the front line, looking after myself. You know, it felt like lockdown put a massive pause on life for everyone. And people suddenly had to reevaluate what's important to them, spending time with family, looking after their health. Mm. Yeah. So did, it, did you uh, did you actually contract the virus at all? Well, not that I'm aware. I'm negative. But uh yeah, they were reluctant to test health professionals in the beginning, which you probably heard yeah. of. So as far as I know, no, but we've all been exposed to it on the front line. So Yeah, so there's like I'm sure you know there's loads of uh, conspiracies surrounding this whole COVID and stuff. Like maybe I can ask you some <laughs> questions, and maybe you can clear like okay. clear up and clarify some of these, uh, you know, conspiracy theories that people have. So wow. Like, <laughs> well, let's let's hear your perspective. Like I mean, the first one was remember when they were um, like like making all the space in the hospitals, and like I remember there was once like at one time they were saying they were clearing all the space in the Excel Center. And like filling them up with beds because of all these people coming in. Like, was the hospitals like actually really that full? Like, I mean, like in terms of because a lot of people say like the numbers that they've been put, put putting out there are like false, you know what I mean? In terms of like, mm. see, like what would you say? The hospitals were definitely full. Um, there weren't any beds. Um, and that's even after making it specifically just COVID or like super life-threatening cases. You know, we were turning a lot of people at the door who 
didn't have serious things or who could wait. Mm. Um, and the beds were definitely full. Um, I think that the UK handled things in a way that was slow and ineffective um, and redundant in a lot of ways. And so by the time the hospital was, there was a lot more that had been learned and things were kind of becoming a bit more manageable. And that's why things like the Nightingale Hospital wasn't like overflowing. That's why you didn't see that. Mm. Um, it's definitely going to have to be used in the second wave, though, in my opinion. So you do you believe there definitely is a second wave on the way? Yeah, I'm 99% sure 99. that there is a second wave. We're already, we're already in it, actually, even. Like now, you know, Wales has gone into lockdown. It's in Northern Ireland as well yesterday. Yeah, north north of the country, yeah. they have like, they've got like tiers now, like different restrictions and stuff. Like that. Yeah, yeah, we are. So we are in the second wave already. It's just a matter of time before you know, it's back to lockdown. So, like, in terms of, um, like, an, another conspiracy was um, <laughs> people were saying that uh, some people would be dying of other causes and they would be, like, doctors would be paid to classify it as coronavirus and stuff like that, in the States, more, more specifically, and stuff like that. Do you know much about oh. that? Or did you ever... I have not, I've not <laughs> heard that. I can, I can definitely say in the UK that's something that I have not witnessed or heard and I doubt has happened in the UK but the UK is is based on a different health system we have our NHS right so it's it's different really it's not as privatized um there's less incentives to make extra money and you know go yeah, under the yeah. covers so yeah as far as I'm aware that is false for the UK but I can't speak on that like as a direct authority. Okay, and then there's another thing is like, so apparently the, um, there's been like research done on, do you know much about vitamin D and the effects of vitamin D and how positive it is in terms of like if mm -hmm. you have corona or if you want to avoid getting it? And like, how come it's not being publicized? I mean, like now apparently they're trying to get people to take more vitamin D and stuff. So mm -hmm. how, come, mm -hmm. how come these things haven't been public knowledge? or? I mean. It's it's tricky. In my mind, it has been public knowledge, but what is public knowledge? Is it what you get on a WhatsApp group? Ah, my earphones just went off. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, so I'm just going to take this off then. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> what is public knowledge? Is it what is widely dispersed on WhatsApp groups? Is it what you find on a Public Health England website? Is it what the government says on TV? Knowledge is from multiple sources. Yeah, and COVID is that it was happening at a rapid rate, faster than anyone could predict or control. And people were coming up with speculation. People were coming up with theories of what could cause it. And people were scared. Um, vitamin D is something that pretty early on was, was I was made aware was something that's helpful. Um, I would have thought that that was public knowledge because of the platforms that I was receiving it on. Mm. Uh, I mean, I read, it, I read it on the Lancet, you know what I mean? Which is like, you yeah, know, how many people read exactly. that kind of stuff? Exactly. But if you have someone who is in an underprivileged, you know, area or doesn't have access to the Lancet or doesn't even know what the Lancet is, yeah. how are they going to... I mean, it's not public knowledge. Yeah. Uh, relying on, on other sources. So um, I think it was available knowledge, but it was really about... You had an advantage if you knew a medical professional or if you knew someone like yourself would go out and look for the answers, you yeah. know? 
So that's yes, definitely- I actually contracted it. I've been like, um, I, I tested positive about a month ago. Okay. And, um, I mean, it didn't last like very long. It lasted about a week and a bit. And then I was kind of over it, but I had to like self-isolate. My kids had to self-isolate my wife and all that. Wow. Been, like, how was that? Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. Like, I never experienced anything like it before. Um, I wasn't ill, ill. Like the first two days, I was just kind of fatigued and stuff. And I right. thought it was just like, you know, because I was working late, I was in studio and stuff like till early hours and that. And like generally when I like, when I'm not sleeping much and I'm overworking, then I get kind of fatigued. So I thought right. it was just that, kind of recovered. And then I was fine on the Friday, Saturday. And then the Sunday, I lost all sense of smell and taste. And that was like, that freaked me out. Like I couldn't, I could not, like I've never experienced that before. And then my wife was like, we need to get tested, need to get tested. And then I finally got a test on the, the Monday or Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then I tested my, my youngest as well. And he tested negative and I, I tested positive. And then nobody else got it in my household as well. Like that's the that's the other weird thing. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, warm and you're you're okay now. Yeah, yeah. Literally, like after a week, um, I was fine, back to normal, doing my usual stuff, training and whatever and stuff. So I'm I'm cool now. Wow! Yeah. Oh my God. So I mean, that's another reason why, like, I you know, I just I need to I need more information on this thing is because like I've had it. So like, how come? I mean, like, how come it affects people with, like, the older or have underlying issues so much? Like, you know what I mean? I know quite a few people that have died, you know, in this year from it as well. Mm. Such a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, it's a, a virus and any virus will, essentially, it, it's a threat to your, your body, your immune system, immune right? System. Your body fights it. If it's a bacteria, you're, you take antibiotics, which will help in that respect but virus typically your body does without antibiotics you don't need them if your body's already weak because of other existing diseases you're going to be at higher risk of complications or of not recovering and that's why in older people or people with other issues they are more likely to have to either pass away from it or to have serious you know complications because coronavirus is what some a virus that affects Firstly, affects the lungs. If you've got problems around that area, you're at higher risk as well. But it can affect anyone of any age, regardless of background conditions. And this is why it was such a threat, because it was unpredictable. So how come they were saying this um, whole BAME thing then? Like, why is that? Why was that a thing? Like, you know. Why was what a thing? Why was it um, so prominent? Uh, yeah, basically, no. Why, why, how come they were saying that if you are black, Asian, minority, whatever, you, you're more likely to be affected by COVID? Well, this is the thing. In the UK, there are huge uh, inequalities socially um, on a racial level. So the, a, lot of, a lot more people belonging to um, BIPOC um, segments of society are in uh, poorer areas, worse housing, um, have less access to services um, or have difficulty um, identifying these services in the first place, right? And that's, that's even before you add in language barriers, for example, you know, that some people might have. And so because of that, people weren't going to hospital. First of all, people weren't getting, um, weren't understanding information. People weren't knowing where to get the information People weren't going to hospital early in time because you're talking about the people who have 
two or three jobs to support their families. Mm-hmm. If they have coronavirus, how are they going to fend for their families? You're going to lose all three sources of income. That's giving them the basics to survive, right? So these are the people who aren't going to rush to hospital to get a diagnosis. They're going to try and self-medicate. They're going to try and avoid, so you know, going into hospital because they need to survive and they have six children to feed. And they're also the people who don't have money to buy green groceries every week. These are the people who will go for fast food. It's quick. It's cheap. You know, these are, at the end of the day, health inequalities exist because of um, money, because of education or the lack of education. And there are certain choices you're not empowered to make because you don't have money or because you don't have a social status, a particular social status. And the issue is that in the UK, it's an even bigger problem, which wasn't highlighted as much until coronavirus happened. Mm. So people can't afford to not go to work. And these people are primarily BIPOC, you know? Um, so that's, that's, that's a, a big thing as well. And it's for, for that reason that these people are also the ones who have might have higher cases of diabetes or heart disease for the same reason that they just do not access the healthcare early enough because they can't afford to, you know. You see, to me, that makes perfect sense. But like you speak to some artists and they're like, oh, why is the government saying it's just black people that's going to get coronavirus and BAME and blah, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, But that's not what the government said. The government published a report which... Um, confirmed what we were already seeing that the majority of people coming in and dying from coronavirus were people who were black or indigenous people of color Mm. um and the government actually took their time publishing that information because it was around the time of black lives matter and you know bringing out info like that would raise bigger questions about british society which people were unwilling to talk about you know so i i I find that really crazy to imagine people say, why are they saying it's just black people? <laughs> it was mainly BIPOC. So the question is why, you know? See, I think, the- I think more people need to hear it from someone like yourself, you know what I mean? Who is a person of color, who is on the front lines, who is in the hospitals, you know, because like so many people just say, oh, they're lying or, you know, they know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? They're lying about the numbers. They're lying about this. They're lying about that and blah, blah. It's just a conspiracy and whatever. And I mean, I found myself in the first month of coronavirus going down like a whole YouTube uh, wormhole of freaking like just conspiracy theory. And like I was losing my mind. I had to just like, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. And my wife is quite like logical and like very, she she kept, because she always like goes for the facts. So she'll always set me straight anyway. But then I have to like work out like all the shit in my head because I've got artists as friends and, you know, fight the power people in my other, you know, my other ear. Like, yeah. Theories can only serve you so much in a time where, like this, where things are so uncertain. Um, and I think it's really easy to get sucked into it. And, you know, it'll always exist. And as a medical professional, that doesn't mean I can qualify or disqualify all of them. Mm. I can only speak from my experience and my exposure and my knowledge. Um, and yeah, so I think that's what I've done so far. But even now, I would be, for example, I'd get a taxi or something and the driver, you know, once anyone knows I'm a doctor, they'll be like, is it true? Is it, you know, I don't believe it. And these are the people who are at risk. You know, mm-hmm. these are the people who really should care. You know, Same what way. do you have 
if it if it is if you really think it's a conspiracy i mean i can tell you for a fact it's not it is actually a threat that has killed millions of people around the world um but if you choose not to believe that what do you have to lose by making healthier choices and protecting yourself nothing no, that's really. true Oh yeah. What's it like right. in Ghana? Like, what's it like over there at the moment? Is it still how they deal dealt with it? Um, Ghana is a lot has dealt with it a lot better um, than the UK. Cases are have been far fewer, although there are still cases and it is still an issue here. People wear masks everywhere. They uh, observe um, protocols, you know, hygiene protocols. Um, uh, restaurants, hotels, things like that. They're open. But you're not allowed to enter without a mask, without washing your hands. Um, public gatherings are, you know, cut down to uh, a, a fixed number, so it's not crazy. But yeah, so so there's still like gigs and stuff, and like you can go to bars and restaurants and yeah, things. You can do that if you're comfortable, um, but you have to do all the hygiene stuff and take a mask or a visor. Uh, yeah, and that's that's what I've. People want to talk about the first world and Africa and this and that. And like, look how these people are dealing with the virus here. And like in Africa, I've heard even in like um, Sierra Leone and those places, they've dealt with it far better than like in the UK. Man. Yeah. And it's not really talked about very much. Um, but yeah, Africa has definitely done a better job and has probably exceeded people's expectations. Because normally Africa is meant to be the one that the continent that really struggles the most and needs everyone to come to her yeah. rescue. That narrative is is is. I just say I'm I'm sick of that narrative, and I'm glad that it's slowly starting to change, and that people need to start seeing like, yo, Africa is huge. First of all, it's not like some little continent. It's massive. It's beautiful. Like there's mountains, there's deserts, there's islands, there's you know from coast to coast. It's filled with like all the world's natural resources that you can think of. It's like fucking hell, man. God damn it. How can it be the dark continent, you know? <laughs> yeah, people are waking up to that uh, realization. So it's it's baby steps. But yeah, this is just another example of how um, Africa as a continent isn't always the person or the, the, the place that needs everyone else to come to her rescue. Mm-hmm. So can be self-sufficient. And we have been in this case. And uh, hopefully we carry it on. Do you have any... Um I mean, obviously, you you were schooled now in the UK and stuff. Like, do you have any plans of like bringing home or bringing back to Africa your experience, your expertise, and like you know, you know, like helping to change this narrative? As to how, when it's yet to be determined, but yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. you you go back quite um, often, don't you? Uh, back to Ghana, yes, yeah, I do. I try and go once a year, okay. uh, but yeah. It's important to stay connected to uh, where you, you're from or where, where it feels like home. So um, are you, uh, what's your tribe? Are you Gatri, Asante? Um, I, I am a mixture. I'm Ga, I'm Fanti, and I'm Tri. Okay. But I think increasingly it's becoming, the UK is becoming a place that does not feel um, like home, and at least for me, and does not feel, feels oppressive. Um, and so, yeah, definitely would think to come back here at some point. In what sense? Like, uh, I'd like to hear about that. That's that's an interesting point. I've never, you know, I would have thought so you, think, like you were, you know, 
you're a medical professional, you're doing well, you're a doctor, you know what I mean? You're educated in London, you know what I'm saying? Like, how does it, like, in what way? Is it yeah, okay? I mean, there are many things, but uh, the UK has always had issues with systemic and institutional oppression and racism, um, which is now even more undeniable in the face of what this year has been like. There's the pandemic, there was Black Lives Matter, all those stuff. So I think it's always been there, but it's been um, kind of, you know, subvert. Um, and now it's out in the open. So, I mean, I don't think it's a new thing to talk about, but it's just that it's everyone's talking about it now, whereas they didn't before. So, yeah. Why do you feel, why do you personally feel oppressed or like, um, you know, I don't know what? Is it something you've experienced in the workplace or something you've personally no. experienced? I would say that it, it can be oppressive. There's a difference. Um, the UK, in terms of the social inequalities, in terms of um, the privilege um, that is that exists there, in terms of the ways that people there or, or the UK views the rest of the world as inferior, like these are things that have existed over time, you know. So it, it's when it gets to a point where you ask yourself whether that is uh, an environment you want to grow in and be rooted in, or whether you think you want to be elsewhere. Um, so that is the point I'm at of thinking: okay, make a choice. Do you want to be here, or do you not want to be here? What are the pros and cons? That is all it is. Okay. It, there's no, you know, oppression. It's always been there. And the um, weather as well. <laughs> the weather itself is a form of oppression. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. you could be in Ghana where the weather's nice all year round, man. Damn. Yeah, definitely. This is the Other Side of the Sun podcast with your host, Solar Kid, brought to you by Spidecaster for Baobalb.org. Let's uh, talk a little bit about um, your music. Like, um, so... What's the last thing you put out? The last thing I put out was my EP, Marrow. It came out in 2017. Yeah, that was sick, man. That was with, um, you had a whole visual thing going on and everything. Yeah, I think, oh, I think Marrow came out 2018, actually. 2017 was my music film. Yeah, the music film, yeah. So that was in was in LA or something where they showcased that. The film was shot in Ghana. The film festival it debuted at was in San Francisco. So um yeah, yeah, it was really exciting. It was a really good uh, good time. And I, I got to record one of the singles on the on the EP. Uh oh yeah, in twenty eighteen, yeah, yeah. Um I can't remember which one actually. You did a few. You did um Simon. And you did a cover. Uh, I can't remember the other one. Oh, when we tried to to do like a video, right? Oh, what that video? Did... Well, you didn't do the that video. Never came out. No, we didn't put it out. We put out the um, acoustic cover. Remember cover of Leanne Havis' song? Yeah, yes. that's the one we put out. Yeah. So what happened so... to the, the video then? That was shot so nicely. Visuals weren't up to par, so it. I'd rather not put out you know, subpar work. The, the visuals at, did not match the quality 
and the vision of what the visual should have been was not met. So it just, you know. Is it something that can be fixed with a very skilled, by a very skilled editor? Um, I think the moment's come and gone, if I'm honest, because that was now two years ago. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a headache at the time, but it's made with it. I've let it go. You live and you learn and it's on to the next thing. Yeah, because that was a lovely project, man. And you've got a beautiful voice as well, you know. Like, I don't think people, we need to we need to hear more of that. Like, so are you working on anything? Or? Yeah, I'm working on the next projects now. Um, but yeah, with the Masters and Medicine, the last year I knew that I'd have to take, music and art would have to take a back seat. Um, so nothing's come out since Maro. Um, and just working on the next stuff now, just started working on it. So. I'm excited. Um, hopefully, we'll have something out soon. Nice. I'm sure it must be nice to like wake up in sunshine and and write music or go to the beach and. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. It's it's definitely what I needed. It's been a crazy year, so. So are you yeah. like do you do you write on your guitar or like do you just come up with melodies and stuff? Both. So I will write on my guitar or at the moment. Not because I've got these nails. I was here for a wedding, so yeah, very nice nails. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, normally with guitar, or I'll get a melody, or I'll write some poetry, and that will then lead to something else. So, but I used to produce as well. Um, so on my laptop, I just come up with some instrumentals and then put words to it. So mm. it varies, it varies definitely. What would you say is like um, why what in, like Obviously, Marrow was the name of your last album, so obviously medical science inspires your your creativity. But are there other, any other things? Like maybe, are you you religious? Are you um, spiritual? Or? I'm Christian. Um, my faith directs a lot of what I do. Um, and yeah, especially with my art as well. It's how I express myself um, spiritually and how I interpret the world around me. Music, that is. Um, so yeah, definitely is a forms a part. So in terms of like, um, so like traditional Christian, like Protestant or Catholic or what? No, I'm just just Christian. <laughs> I'm baptized. Uh, I'm confirmed Anglican, but that that stuff doesn't really. Unless you're Catholic, it doesn't really. You know, it's not a big. Do you thing. go to church in that or? Yeah, go to church. Yeah. Read the Bible. Pray. I have a very close relationship with God, which is constantly evolving. You know, it doesn't look like it what it did ten years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's meant to be. So mm-hmm. I'm on this journey of learning, of exploring, of questioning. Yeah, and- yeah, that's awesome. And then, like, because um, obviously you're a scientist, so like you obviously have a very methodical approach and like you know logical approach to things. Like, how does that um, relate in terms of your your faith? Like, because um, Generally, science and faith never used to kind of gel. Um, I think that's like a, a stereotype, but I think that science is actually a language of, you say science is a language used to interpret things that God has made or ways that God has designed, um, you know, the world or ways of being. Science is, is just simply a language and a way of interpretation. It will never be the full answer to anything. Is um, and that's that's what I believe. Um, yeah. So even as a person, I wouldn't say that I'm 
I wouldn't describe myself as a scientist, for example. Um, I work within science as a doctor, um, but that's a very specific science, you know, that combines other forms, other art forms as well. I would say that I'm an artist and I'm a medical doctor as well. And the two things, without either of them, I'm not, I'm unable to describe myself fully, even if I'm not doing one of them at a particular time. And I think it's the same with science. You can't look at the world and point to everything and explain it with science. No, you can explain most stuff or some stuff, or you can reason certain things, but it will never be enough to get the whole picture. No, I've so, always felt like, um, you know, like science explains God, you know what I mean? Like, like you were like, exactly like you're saying, like people would say, God said, let there be light. And there was a big bang. Do you know what I mean? Like in that kind of sense. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would, um, be pedantic with that and say it doesn't explain God. It explains some of what God has done. Yeah. Um, you can't, yeah, you can't explain God. Can you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the fact, the fact that there's many like factions and religions already like shows you how like multifaceted this this being or entity or whatever it is, is, you know? Yeah. 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 I think it's kind of like having a different perspective of the, of, of something. So if I, if you have someone standing in a room, if you're stood at the front of the room, you see the front of them. If you're stood behind them, you see the back, the left, you see a different perspective. Mm. Uh, but life is full and faith is a journey that's meant to evolve. And so, yeah, our perspectives are constantly changing. So you're, um, you're obviously not like religious, like fundamentalist in any way. Like you're very open to other religions and other faiths and people from other like backgrounds. And Or do you think like there's only God and if you don't do that, you're going to hell uh, or, you know, like <laughs> if you're Muslim or if you're Buddhist, you're going to hell basically. <laughs> I, think, I think I hear this a lot of the time and I think it's too simple a way to look at at things because faith is complex, right? Mm. And God is complex. Um, as a Christian, I've chosen that to be the faith that I um, ascribe to and that drives me and the ways that I, I live my life because I believe that to be the truth. Someone else has ascribed to something else for whatever reason and believes that to be the truth. In my opinion, there can only be one truth. There can be different ways of... Um, understanding the truth based on where you are in life. For example, a child and an adult cannot understand things on the same level. The adult's going to be like, wait, 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 we're here, right? Um, but it doesn't take away the truth of the matter. Like if there is, if there is, um, let's say, I'm wearing a purple top, right? A child might go to that and might look at it and be like, oh, I think like that's, that's like purple. An adult might be like, no, I think it's more like a lilac. Mm. The, Scriptures are different. The understanding is different based on the experiences. So I believe as a Christian that Christianity is the truest, purest form of knowing God and living in a way that God has intended. And that's because I... Pardon? For you. I believe. That's what I said. Um, And so uh, I'm, I'm open to people believing things that they want. I wouldn't go, oh, I can't talk to you, this, this, or... Oh, you're going to hell. No, I can show you why I believe what I believe and how it serves me, how it's changed my life, how it makes me a better human being. And then you form your own opinions. 
but you would always be welcome to eat with me. You'd always be welcome to be around me. I would always talk to you about my faith. You know, I think we get too bogged down with, oh, this is the right way to do things. This is the right way to believe things. If you don't, then you're going to hell. It's too complex. Semantics. It's the love that you show people and they can make their minds up, you know? But then also like in the same, in the same breath, like, so like with science here, you have formulas and equations and facts that can be proven. Whereas with religious doctrine, you have scriptures over time that have been rewritten and interpreted and, you know, told by many people in many faiths, you know, including the Eastern faiths and Western faiths, you know what I'm saying? So there's lots of different interpretation and methodology to proving the same thing. So like, wouldn't it be safer to just say that, yes, there is a God, but there's just, like you said, it's like looking at someone from the front, the back, the side, and the other side. Like if, if, say, the back is Eastern philosophy and the front is Western philosophy, we're both looking at the same God, but just in a different way. Do you know what I mean? But let's take that an- analogy and consider it this way. The person who you're looking at in the room, you can only see their front, and they say to you, this is what my back looks like. And this is how to view me from the back. If you walk round, you can see me from the back. Um, you might not be ready to walk round just yet because I want you to take the full picture of me. But I can tell you for now what my back looks like until you get there, mm-hmm. right? Every single human books go through revisions, new editions, right? Textbooks, you have loads of editions, 12th edition, 13th, especially in science. It is not a form, it's not a marker of... Um, something being untrue or something being less true by the fact that there are revisions of it. Time evolves, human methods evolve, communication evolves, and language must evolve as well. Um, and so this is what I mean when I say it's easy to get bogged down in the, the, the finer details of, yeah, but what about this? Can't be sure of that, can't be sure of that. But at the end of the day, it comes back to Right now, in this moment, what are you choosing to believe and how do you view the world and how can you be a better person existing in this world? And what do you want to know? I think that's, that's how I feel because like each religious text will have their own like validity, you know what I mean, in terms of whatever it comes from and whoever justified it in whatever way and whoever like recorded the scriptures. But essentially, love your neighbor as yourself, treat people as you would be treated you know, those are like the essential things to kind of just be a good person. Do you know what I mean? Like love your neighbor, which is, you know, like as in the Bible, it says the new commandment was love one another as he's loved you. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, that kind of encompasses all faiths and, and religions. Do you know what I mean? Like like the semantics and the, you know, like I said, you have to do this, 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 this. That kind of, yeah, it's a bit much for me personally anyway. <laughs> I love learning about it though I love I love religions and I, I read a lot about many different faiths I love history and that kind of stuff so. yeah and it's something we can't get we can't get around is the fact that religions are different religions say different things they might say some things the same but there are gross differences and I think it becomes a problem when we say oh they all say the same things because they don't say all the same things um, Jews might say something different from Christians who say something different from Muslims, it's it's not it's okay to acknowledge differences as well. But isn't that isn't that also semantics? Because like even if they are saying different things, like you know scripturally or whatever, 
if the end, like if the point of it means love, then does how, because I mean, like the, what I'm trying to say is like, do you think that people maybe take these things too seriously? Like the actual scripture and the validity of it and the books and the, the teachings and all this stuff. When in essence, it's not that hard just to like be a good person to someone else. You know what I mean? It doesn't take me reading. I mean, I've read the Bible like twice, you know what I'm saying? I've read these other books and stuff. It doesn't take me reading that to actually show love to someone else. You know what I mean? Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but the the point the the point of the Bible besides it is not just to it is a guide, you know. It's inspiration. It's history. Mm, it's, that's what I'm saying. So it's 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 inspiration, isn't it? Like just as as other scriptures are. Like do you know what I mean? Like maybe we shouldn't like I don't know. I you know I just feel like maybe we shouldn't take it as seriously as we do because many people quote scripture and you know what I mean stuff like that and you know. It's like, okay, yeah, I, and I take it. I love it when people quote scripture to me because I can actually find the essence of what it's trying to say. You know, even though I'm not religiously fundamental, I come from a Christian background, but I'm more just spiritual, you know? And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a discussion that would probably expand beyond this uh, episode. <laughs> but I think, I think, you know, text, let's, let's say if you're studying something, me being a doctor, you know, uh, textbooks or books were important, you know, as a guide, as inspiration for knowledge, you know, and essentially that that is what the Bible is. One of the things that the Bible is. Imagine the school of life. Imagine that that is what we are learning. You have a a, a, a guide here, which is not only speaks to the past, but speaks to you in your present and speaks to the future. That's a supernatural. Um, thing to be able to do um and if you're able to tap into that you're able to also have that power to be able to understand the world not just in the past present but also in the future and how you can shape things you know we talk about manifesting and all of these these are principles which are not new um they're just popular now so mm -hmm. imagine if you had that knowledge way before it was popular how much more have you would you have manifested by this point no you know? i i completely get that i i uh, honestly, I get that in like complete and like, yeah. Um, I feel the same way about the Vedas. You know what I mean? The in India, and I mean those those books were written in like six thousand years ago, seven thousand years ago, in a language that is still actually used today, like in Sanskrit, and uh, you know can be yeah. directly interpreted. And like literally the same tools, you know, like I'm saying, tools for your like understanding your past, your present, and the future. You know, like with yoga, you know what I mean? Yoga is like a popular worldwide phenomenon. But this has been around for ages. And like not even just the, the positions, the actual teachings are about inner engineering on how to look after your body in a way and eat in a specific way in order to, you know, get to this place, which they call samadhi, is like communion with God through meditation and, you know, yoga and practice and eating and stuff like that. So like, I, I guess for certain people, choosing one way is very important, and I, I completely agree. But I love, like, for me personally, I just like drawing inspiration from many different sources, and I find the love and the essence in all of these places. You know what I'm saying? It's it's it doesn't feel confusing for me in that sense. That's just yeah, yeah I get that. I've been inspired by Islam and, and other things, so I think it's it's you know it's something that is, is normal to do, especially if you're questioning what mm -hmm. is around. 
Yeah. So I'm for I'm very pro questioning. Um. So yeah, I get that as well, for sure. But yeah, no, like you said, we will um, maybe revisit it in another episode. I'll catch up with you maybe like in a year or something or like in a couple of months and see where you're at, see what you're up to. Hopefully you have some new music for us. Yes, um, yeah. But you'll send me like uh, your links and stuff and I'll put it in the description. Do you have sure. any uh, like final thoughts or anything you want to leave us with? Or? Um, Don't no, say wash no, your no. hands. <laughs> <laughs> wash your hands. Yourselves, be who you want to be. Don't stop believing in yourself, even if it doesn't fit into a box. No, I love that. Sutra, thank you so much. I can see though that nice is that a sea breeze blowing there? Like, oh my gosh. Well, not a sea breeze, it's just a breeze. Yeah, I'm not near the sea. But okay. you're in Accra though, yeah? Like, how, how far from the sea? In a bit more inland. Um, oh. Still, it looks so nice there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a blessing. I'll be sure. welcoming you back in London soon when the nights are long and the days are cold and short. <laughs> All right. Uh, Better soak up that, that vitamin D as much as you can before you get back. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, for, Thanks for this. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. People, this has been the Other Side of the Sun podcast. I'm the Solar Kid. That was Sutra. And stay peace, stay love. Podcast your life with baobao.org.